disclaimer, if you are any of our campers, we apologize that you have to listen to us speak again, but you chose to listen. Yeah, this is your So have fun. (laughs) Hi. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm doing really well. The weather's good. I feel like we always talk about the weather. What's you a, guys don't care about the weather in Madison. But it's a good check-in of, like, where we are. I like yeah. when we talk about the, the weather. The weather's getting nicer. It's June. Yes. It is finally June. The weather is nice. Yeah. I'm currently in Colorado, where the weather is so beautiful. It is mm. gorgeous outside. Gorgeous, gorgeous. I cannot contain my joy about this episode that we're about to share with everyone. This is... this episode is it's it's been cool it's a culmination of a really special year that Sophie and I have been able to do this podcast and like meet every couple of weeks and and do this and we've talked so much about the people who have brought us here and this is just the best way to honor that and to celebrate everything that camp has to offer yeah I agree it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, was a, it was I had fun at least. It was a lot of fun. There were tears, laughter, all of the above. It was, it was a lot of fun. We think we think that yeah. you all are just going to get a kick out of it. One, um, because this is this is just a really special episode, and you get to learn a little bit more about Syphy. Yeah, we really do get to learn a lot more about me because the special guest is my mom. Um, who is my favorite woman on the planet. Um, hey, hey, hey. And I mentioned... Rude. <laughs> Rude. I can't say that any other woman is my favorite woman on the planet. It's fine. It's fine. Now, first, I'm not your best friend. <laughs> now, I'm not your favorite. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, but for real, this woman is, is, is Sophie's favorite woman on the planet. I think she did a great job. She spoke beautifully. She told great she told great stories um and i'm very thankful that she took time out of her busy day with all her patients to uh to record with us so thanks mom (laughs) without further ado syphie's mom so we have a very special guest today um, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. So, Mom, why don't you go ahead and tell us who you are and what do you do? You know, give us a little spiel about yourself. Okay. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Adina. Uh, my name is Lisa Liner. Uh, I was Lisa Barnes when I was at camp. I am currently a psychologist uh, in Los Angeles, California. And uh, that's all there is to say. I was at camp... The summers of 1983 through, I think, 1987. I think I was there five summers. So I didn't start until Midori year. I had been on the L.A. Ulpan, which was now, which has been since replaced by by the seminar trip to Israel. And... um, and I met a bunch of kids from camp there, and they kept saying, oh, let's go work at camp next summer. And I said, okay. <laughs> and at the time, all I had to do was interview with the camp director. I don't almost remember anything about that, and they hired me. So, wow. What got you to go on the Old Pond trip if you hadn't been going to camp previously? Oh, I went kicking and screaming on this Old Pond <laughs> trip. I did not want to go. I had no interest in going to Israel. I was pretty sure that there was just camels and sand. And my parents made me go. And I had a letter from my dad that said, if I didn't like it, after two weeks, I could call home and he'd bring me home. Wow. And I went, oh, I did not want to go. (laughs) And I went and never looked back. And about... I don't know, three or four weeks into that summer, we got in trouble for, they called it co-ed rooming. There must have been, I don't know, 30 of us in one room just making noise. And we all got in trouble and they threatened to 
send letters to our parents telling us, telling them that we had violated the code. And so I called home in a panic because I didn't want them to get a call that I had violated code. And they were just mad at me for not having called before. And (laughs) my whole life changed on that trip, truly. Yeah? Truly. I was a completely different person when I left for that trip and when I came back. It was really life-changing. I don't even know that I can exactly... Was it just like the feeling of being with the same with like-minded people in that way you know like I feel like lots of Israel trips all of a sudden being that way all of a sudden I was with kids my age who were really into being Jewish and many of them had been campers and um it was fun it was the first time I was away from home and not homesick And it just, it was a lot of fun. I had a first boyfriend who is now my husband and your father. Um, And I, um, it just was a really, all of a sudden, I was really much more connected to being Jewish. And I had this whole group of fun friends, a whole other group. Tangential question is your first boyfriend slash now your husband slash my father was he your boyfriend like from when you were a teenager to not to when oh, you got no. married or okay. oh no we dated for a very very important week <laughs> and then he broke up with me mm. but oh. it was a very oh. he very broke up with week. you yeah oh wow yeah i oh, know how dare he <laughs> but but you know it it worked out in the end <laughs> <laughs> so <It> seems so <laughs> but it really was a transformative summer for me and and then I came back and interviewed with the camp director and I spent the next five summers on staff I, I loved it can you so. can you talk a bit about like what you did as a staff member were you a bunk counselor were you did you do basketball like Sophie? Like what what were your roles on staff? I was a Mador that first summer. And then I was a, you know, you went from Mador to counselor. And there was not really much of a delineation beyond that. So I was a Mador in Nitzanim with three, uh, I think there were four of us. So three of my good friends, we were in the same bunk together. And then from that point on, for the next three or four summers, I was only in Adat Shalom. I was in the same Adat every summer. And I don't really know why. It just, it just was. (laughs) And um, we were in the girls' shetach and in a tent. And that was it. I was there. But I also worked, I think, two or three. They used to do camp over the winter holiday. Mm. So over Christmas time, there was winter week. And I think I worked two or three of those also. That was fun, too. That's cool. To my understanding, there were, like, different adult names or, like, there was, like, Mahon Olive and Mahon Bet. Do you, like, was that your time or was there, like... I I think that that was partly during my time that there were two ma, two Mahon year, but there was also a Havara year, and so oh. Havara was they were like kitchen staff, <laughs> and that was their job. They just they set the table and cleared the table, and I don't know what else they did. They had their what own Ida song, after Mahon Bet, before Mador. Oh. Were they like juniors in high school, seniors in high school? They were junior, going into junior year, because you could either do the Israel trip I did, or you could stay at camp and be at camp that summer. Okay. So we should... Because there was no camp trip to Israel yet. That was about a year or two later that that started. Okay. Because we should say now, kitchen staff are just like, nice local people who come in from the town and like come and work in the kitchen and cook and clean and are amazing but it's not like a 
you don't go from like Mahon to kitchen staff to being on to being a counselor or anything like that. It's just kind of like just these nice people come in and do it. So that's interesting that it was like it was an ADA for say. It which was is an ADA. Yeah, and they must have had something else to do besides you know, besides kitchen work. Um, yeah. But that was that was what Havara was known for. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That's, that's and then, so interesting. And and there was no Kohavim. Right. Adar. Right. Wasn't there also no Gesher, like the youngest kids? No, there was Gesher, but Gesher you could do one week or you could do two weeks. Okay. And um, they eventually got rid of that one week Gesher program. They got rid of they got rid of one week after me. I that think. very next I think year. I went, I you did. I think I went for one week and then. And, right, and then they wisely got rid of one week. I don't. I can't um, think about. I don't think that there are any other, there any other, um, Ada changes besides. Mahon Aleph and Bet. And Havara. I can't even imagine, was like, there... sorry, I can't imagine, like, going to camp and being kitchen staff. I honestly think that would be really great for certain chanichim. That would be, like, a really great life mm-hmm. experience. Um, and I wish they, I almost wish, like, they would bring a little bit of that back. I, would, I also, I think the kitchen is so cool. And, like, the underground part with, like, all the food that, like, God forbid if there was an apocalypse, like, if you were at camp, you would be totally <laughs> fine because there's... That would be so cool. And I also think it would be great. I didn't know there was an underground part of the kitchen. There's, it's like this huge pantry with like just shelves and shelves of food and like non-perishable things that like they can keep you around. It's amazing. Isn't it where they keep the alcohol for Shabbaton weekends? I think, yeah, it's like where, no, I don't know. No, well, when I've been there for Shabbaton weekends, it's in... Now, that's only more recently. It's in big stand-up refrigerators that are in oh. the main kitchen. But, I I, have but never they must seen... take those out. Because they might rotate like, I could it. waltz into the kitchen and, like, I think they probably put it down there over the summer because yeah, probably. you could yeah. sneak into the kitchen and take alcohol, which would be bad. Um, yeah. I yeah, just remember saying. Never, like, I don't think I ever went in the kitchen, even when I was on staff. The person, the woman who ran the kitchen, you did not her what the physical like camp was in a different was this when it was like foothill where you were there when it was before the campsite because you know how it was like foothill the, the to um the current campsite now like what no, were you when at the i was one? there it was the current campsite that it is oh, now okay. it was well, do you know when it moved no i i don't know i, I think it had been many many years mm, okay. that the camp was already very well established in the on foothill when it was, you know, when I was there. Um, the camp looks, because I have since been back, it looks almost the same. There are some uh, there are some big changes, like the wall around the boys' shetach and the wall around the girls' shetach. And um, there are way more tents hmm. to sleep in than when I was there. Mm-hmm. And on the road, on the way up, um, those girls' tents were army tents that were just a slab of concrete and tents that had no hard walls. So they they were true army tents in that time. Who slept in those? The oldest campers, the oldest okay. girl campers. So uh, Havara and Mahon girls. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah. there just were not nearly as many tents. The bunks yeah. are exactly the same, except for the additional. They have they've built more. Yeah. But the camp itself looks the same. It looks the same. the The ropes course didn't exist, and the conference center didn't exist. That was right. just trees. <laughs> and there was a. There is where the creek is. We used to be able to play in there, and was, there was no fencing around it. Was there water in the creek? No. <laughs> there yeah. was moisture in the creek on occasion. <laughs> in the winter time, there was, but yeah. you could play around in there and you could walk through there, and there was no um, fence around it. Wow. 
Do mm-hmm. you? Because I know, like, my mom is also a camp alumni, and she alum alum alumni whatever an alum of camp, and yeah. she always talks about like it looks a little bit different, but it still feels the same. Like, do you, when you come back for visitors day and things like that, does it still have the feeling? Like, do you get like the same goosebumps that you did when you would come for the summer? Absolutely. It the feel of the camp is still the same. It doesn't matter that it's changed. And if you're as soon as you drive in that road and see the sculpture thing, you're even before you see the sculpture, you know you're there and you can feel that you're there. Yeah, it feels exactly the same. In a really good way. That's cool. Yeah. And have you like have you like kept in touch with the friends you had from that Israel trip and from camp? Oh yeah. A lot of, a lot of those kids are still my friends and they have had a couple of different, well, maybe it's just visitors days where a bunch of us have come back to camp to see, because it's a place where everyone can connect and we've come back mostly not, not everyone has kids there at the time. They just come to visit. And those of us, it, it's a great, it's really been fun. But that's I haven't cool. been there for a couple of visitors' days. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, and I don't think they'll have visitors' day this summer. Definitely not. No. Nope. Not this <laughs> Wouldn't year. Wouldn't want all those people coming in. So from your perspective, not necessarily having spent um, a summer at camp in the past few years, but you have three kids who have gone to camp and who are still going to camp and plenty of just community connections, friends connections. What have been some of the biggest changes that you have seen either yourself or through the eyes of your children, through Sophie? Um, could be physical, could be cultural things. Any like big changes that you've seen? I think oh, there have been a lot of little changes that amount to some big things. Um, I guess the biggest change is when I was there on staff, there was, there were far, seemed like there were far fewer rules. We had a lot more freedom as counselors Mm -hmm. and we left campgrounds whenever we had free time. And, um, we went out for pancakes in the town. We would go even further away and go out for we went to a restaurant and had dinner and ice cream pie and we just we left camp often mm. as often as we could and there was there were no restrictions and I remember when Sophie went that first summer and she was not yet 18 I had to yeah. sign a form that would allow <laughs> her to leave camp and with you know could she leave with another counselor like I had to sign a form my parents I don't even think they knew the address of the camp when I went (laughs) I just I just got in the car and drove there they had never seen it they had no idea nobody signed anything Um, and so some of the freedoms for better and for worse because we weren't always wonderfully well behaved Um, sure but but uh I feel the same way about, it's the same idea around the camper experience. It seems like it has become a lot more structured and and a little more regimented. There was a lot more ditching of things and hanging around and people didn't seem to care as much. So long as you weren't making trouble, if you weren't where you were supposed to be, Eh, it didn't really matter. And that feels like it's really changed a lot. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely gotten more structured. They're still ditching, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's part of the beauty of sending your kid away to camp, is that they can have more freedom in the summer at, at a summer camp and you want them to spread their wings a little bit and test their independence a little bit in a way that they can't do at home because there's school and rules and all those kinds of things. Um, and so I, I think, you know, 
at least one, if not more than one of my children came home from camp learning all kinds of words that we didn't <laughs> use in the house. Sure. But this is, you know, and actually Sophie came home from camp and said, camp is for lovers. She was, she <laughs> How was How old little. was I when I said that? That was, I think your... I mean, it might have been your Gesher. Otherwise, it was that your Nisa. So I mean, you had seen a couple of things uh, that oh. you weren't really supposed to see. That is so funny. <laughs> and like, but that's part of the camp experience. That yeah. that as a parent, you want your kids to have those opportunities. Yeah. So, camp is for so lovers. Funny. Wow. I love it. I I need a t-shirt that, that should says, be the new tagline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's so funny. Oh my god. So I think that's that's the biggest change. I guess the other changes are changes that you guys I've heard talk about on the podcast just in terms of you know, you talk about the car washes. Well, I was there on staff where there were car washes all the time. And on staff, they were a range of ages of kids. It wasn't all, it, it never felt um, usurious or inappropriate or anything like that. It just didn't, I didn't have that experience on staff and I never got the impression from kids. Now, it was, it's a different time now. and We have a different sensibility about things like that. Um, but I don't, it just, there was a, there was a, a non-PC-ness to the world that I think there are good things about it not being that way, but there are bad things about it not being that way. So, yeah, I think I think that's fair. Yeah, you know, there was no, there was no talk about are there, you know, do kids feel uncomfortable? Do they feel exposed? There was no um, talk about how to fit um, gay and lesbian or transgender kids into camp. Like it just, it literally was not part of the conversation. It yeah. didn't exist in my in my sphere at all. So, yeah. No, it's interesting. Like, you know, in the eighties, like versus you know the two thousand teens, what conversations are had around you know bunking and activities? Like, it's so, and it's it's also interesting to see people whose parents went to camp grandparents went to camp and now they're on staff like to watch families like go through their own transitions with the way that camp is going through like is also experiencing what's going on in the world and like what happens outside of camp is also so reflected inside of camp um and that was true then and it'll be true forever probably as long as god willing we have camps to go to so that's so yes, you know, I remember camp was really, it truly was a bubble. Uh, we changed the clocks. So camp time was a different time than the rest of the world. And um, there was very little contact with the outside world. I mean, there were no cell phones. There was no television on camp. I'm not sure we even had one. Maybe there was something to play movies on, but it might have been a big reel-to-reel kind of screen um we really existed there and what happened over the summer didn't come into camp in the same way yeah you know if it happened outside of camp it didn't come in yeah our counselors used to lie to us and tell us that like this celebrity died or this celebrity died or they would be like you know uh Zac Efron is dead. We're like, what? And we'd be like, really? Really? You know, because we were, you know, we were like eight or nine and, you know, had no means That's of contact for writing letters. It yeah. was mean. <laughs> yeah. That's not it nice was, at all. I, I remember only ever as a camper, the only like bit of outside 
news was when the Olympics were on. And I remember, like, watching the Olympics one morning at breakfast, like, in the Hadar, like, someone had figured out how to get it. And that was, like, the one piece of news I ever remember, like, really getting as a camper. Um, and that's it. That's the end of my story. When was that? I don't know. I just remember, 84. like... 1984. Well, <laughs> but, yeah, like, and I... For us, Mom. For when us. we were alive. <laughs> In the Olympics when Adina was a camper, not yeah, in 1984. Yeah, there were only the Olympics in 1984. That's, it, That's the, the only, only one. There were. <laughs> but I remember, like, I remember it was, I don't know, I guess America was doing really well one year, and they put it on in the Khadar Ochel, and I remember, like, what, like, looking up and watching the big projector play the Olympics. But other than that, like, I mean, now, of course, cell phones, but I always, there's a great picture, I think, I think it's in like the Khadar Shani and the little Khadar or the Khadar Katan of somebody like on a payphone, like in kids, like a, some place that doesn't exist anymore had like a few payphones <laughs> and like some counselor like leaning on the phone. And I'm being like, whoa, phones. Those and are my favorite pictures. The pictures in the Katan and the pictures in the old library. Yeah. Those are there's yeah. there's a I I think I've seen a picture of you somewhere, Mom. There might be a picture of me in the Catan somewhere. I don't remember. I don't know if it was there. I remember seeing one, and then I remember not remembering where it was. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, those are. It's such a window into like. It's ugh, it's the best. I don't like. I don't have words because it's so. There's such a particular feeling of nostalgia and I wasn't even alive for those pictures but like I can feel the like the emotions that go along with those pictures and like looking at those kids sitting on the hill like I sit on the hill like it's the same such a feeling of like connection even just through those through those pictures it really was a it's it is a moment in time that you can't capture any other way but by being at camp and I did not like summer camp, sleepaway camp, as a child at all. I did not like being away from home. Mm. But I loved being at camp. Yeah, I, I always like looking at those photos because of the outfits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super short shorts. Uh-huh. Oh, big, yeah. you know, big hair. The, the male counselors with, like, the big floofy, poofy. I love it. Those are... Yeah, those are pretty lots special. Lots of hair and lots of jeans cut off shorts. Or yep. dolphin shorts. Good wow. times. <laughs> yeah, even like old pictures. I think there's a picture of you and dad maybe on that old pond trip. And the outfits you guys are wearing, I don't, I remember, I know that picture so well. I know you're wearing a pink shirt and dad has weird pants on. He's wearing oh, my skirt. Shorts. He's wearing your skirt. That's why yeah. it looked weird. Yes, because we all, on that old pond each of us carried, every girl carried a backpack that had a skirt and something to cover our shoulders. Oh, see, right. And the boys, I think the same, I don't know if they had to put pants on or they had to make sure that they were more covered. And so the skirt my mother bought me was this ugly, as all get out kind of hippie-ish skirt. But it had every possible color in the rainbow on it. So that it didn't matter what t-shirt you were wearing, it matched. It's very mm-hmm. practical. But, and it was one of those like gauzy skirts that you could crumple up into a ball at the bottom of your backpack. And when you put it back on, you know, it's just sort of whatever. You weren't there for the fashion. But <laughs> exactly. dad is, I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt and he had put on my elastic waist skirt. And that that's from that open. Yep. Wow. That's so funny. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, ha- I, I I was wondering why his shorts were so baggy, but they're not shorts. They're not so. shorts, they're that's skirt. why. They're a skirt. An ugly wow. skirt, too. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Have you, this is, this might be a big question, but like being, you know, a counselor and then like living in this Jewish community that sort of exists outside of camp too, at least this like Los Angeles Jewish community, it feels like there's something there at least to me but like you know you've been living in that world have you seen an impact that camp has made like have, have you like have you been able to see what camp does outside of camp does that make sense it does but i don't think i think the only place i see it that i know i see it is in my own children 
Hmm. Right? I don't know. I know the importance of Jewish sleepaway camp. And there was a study done in the last decade or so, maybe a little longer, that suggested that the the thing that correlated highest with marrying somebody Jewish was not going to Jewish day school, but was going to Jewish summer camp. And for me, it was, um, Ulpan started it, but it was at camp and on Ulpan where being Jewish was fun and yeah. it was cool. And so, because everyone was doing it, you know? <laughs> and so it was, all of a sudden, it was not something that was different and it was not something you did. I didn't go to day school. I went to religious school. So I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have to be Jewish only on Wednesday afternoons and Sunday mornings. It was what you did all of the time. And it was a part of your daily life, who you were. And I think that for most kids in the conservative um, world, that, that that's where you get to live it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say from like a, Jewish day school perspective of you know I think mom we've talked about this before but from from where I stand I agree like I agree with that study maybe not necessarily in terms of marriage but just in terms of connectedness you know and people have crappy religious school experiences all the time it's boring you don't want to go to school after school um but like you know it's built Jewishness at camp is built into your day in a different way than it is at school where you're like now it is time to sit and go to Hebrew class but instead someone's like shouting Hebrew at you from across the hill with a frisbee like yeah. it's so much more different it's so different and it feels like it belongs rather than it's being put on you that from my experience at least yeah that was definitely my experience I mean I I you know I grew up in a reform household I learned all of my all of this tefillot I know from being at camp I, it, all of it and, it, and I learned what it means being yeah. at camp because we learned, you know, sentence by sentence of the Amidah that I would not know it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and so I see it, I mean, I see it most, I suppose, in Sophie because her, that's been her, her, her life has been a Jewish life. But, but I see the value in, in, in having it be a piece of who you are and not this extra part of you. That's beautiful. That's I I mean I'm was a I went to day school through through 5th grade and then was a very much a religious school and by the time I was in like 10th grade I told my parents I was done with religious school and like the only Jewish thing I wanted to do was camp. And now I'm going to work for Jewish camping full time and like that it's a clear like it's a clear line to what you know my Jewish experience at camp and it being just your day like you wake up you know you don't wake up you do kima every morning you know you don't go to services you go to tefillah like those pieces of Judaism and Ivrit and and Hebrew and that was just that's just a day at camp it's not like an extra thing also on top of like sports and arts stuff and theater and school or it's just it's just your life. And I think that you put it so beautifully. I think that, that, that really struck a chord with me. And I think my experience at camp of, of the impact it's put on me, um, now. Well, and being a camper and seeing the older kids and the staff and all of the boys at the time, all of the boys were feeling women didn't, there was not a lot of experimentation in that area, but that's, it just was, the, those older cool kids that's yeah. what they were doing and yeah. so that yeah. was it, it just was it was fun yeah yeah well, like the reason i wear to fill in is because staff members older than we are were wearing to fill in who are women so yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly it, and, and i was like you know 17 18 so it's it's still you know you always look up to to people like that yeah i'm still like i'm going back this summer for my seventh summer on staff and like even still, the senior administration people, like, I look at as they're so cool and, they, you know, they do this and they've done this for so long. Like, it's still that level of, like, oh, look at these people living cool Jewish lives and working 
in Jewish places. And, like, I'm sure Sophie gets this too at Hillel of, like, these people who have, like, put their lives to Jewish stuff. And it's very, it's very, very special and very cool. Lisa, do you have any advice for parents sending their kids to camp right now or any first-time chanichim or first-time parents, um, like your biggest piece of advice that you would give to camp parents right now? Uh, just to send your kids to sleepaway camp, to send them to Jewish camp. It is, it, it's a chance to have that part of your identity be, be sealed with fun. You know, it's part of your life if you're in Jewish day school, but it's not necessarily fun because it's school. And at camp, it's part, it becomes a part of who you are at your core. And if you want it to stick and you want kids to stay connected to their religion, this is the way to do it. And to not be afraid that your kid is going to be lonely or to not be afraid that you'll be lonely without them. Because the other piece is all of the, the independence that kids get going to camp. Even things like learning to make your bed and learning to solve a problem by asking a counselor and not running to mom and dad. And I was a very homesick kid, so I know what that's like. Um, but not to let that be what frightens you away from sending them. And then to send packages, even when the camp says only send flat things. Because <laughs> I reject the flat policy. <laughs> so That's so funny. For some context, for many years, we were able to get like nice packet, like nice care packages from home, like big boxes, no food. You could never send food. And recently they went to, you could only get a flat package, like an Amazon package or a USPS envelope. Um, I think to like level the playing field or I don't really know. Maybe it's just easier on the mail room. I don't know. But they said no yeah. big boxes and only flat packages. Um, but according to Lisa, still send big boxes. Because why not? <laughs> well, I don't break the rules. But I, no, you every, don't. But I want to break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> because it, I just think that I remember getting care packages as a kid, and that was so much fun. Yeah, and and you wanted this package with all this fun stuff, and now you can't do it. I love how you're a wannabe rule breaker. I I feel like. <laughs> The older and older I get, the more I'm like, wow, I am actually becoming my mother. And I feel that really to a core of like, I really want to break the rules, but I'm not going to. No, because I also believe that rules were put there for a reason. And that if everyone followed the rules, things would be better. I don't like when people don't follow the rules. I told you, Adina, I'm becoming my mother. <laughs> I, I didn't, I did not believe you. Now I definitely believe you 100% because, yeah, yeah. I've been on my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> to end, we wanted to ask you if you could tell us from your perspective the story of the fire. I know that in 1980-something, I don't even actually know, there was a huge fire at camp and everyone had to evacuate. And I would, I have heard many different versions of the story and I would love to hear you tell it. We usually ask our guests to like, tell a time where they were on a teule and things went wrong, but I figured this would be a really cool ending story. <laughs> so I'm going to preface this story by saying that it was a long time ago, and so my memories are not necessarily 100% accurate. So just okay. for, and I don't remember what summer it was. It was summer of 85, Five? something like that. And my Ada had been on a... Um, had been on a teal and we were out somewhere and we had to evacuate that location because of the fire. And so they got buses for us and they took us to the beach. And at the same time, they evacuated the whole rest of the camp. And I think the whole, the rest of the camp must have gone to the local high school, at least for part of the time. 
So we went from being in the woods to being at the beach, and I don't remember how they fed us. Uh, the oh, I remember from that time that somebody I think got stung by a bee, and I was in a car or van being driven to the hospital with this kid, and the sky was black and orange and gray. It was apocalyptic, truly. Whoa. Wow. Um, and and so we went, and I took this kid to the hospital. I, I'm sure they were fine. I don't even remember. I think it was not a big deal. And I think we spent three or four nights in various places. We spent wow. one night at the beach. We spent one night at some random school sleeping. Wait, one night at the beach? You just slept on the sand? No, we slept in... Um, we used to have overnights at the beach. Oh. And so we, or I think, yeah, we used to have organ, overnights at the beach and we'd play in the sand and then you'd come and shower off all the yuck at the beach shower, change your clothes and we made dinner for the kids and slept that night. Mm-hmm. And that happened on occasion, but this was an unplanned sleeping yeah. at a campsite at the beach. Wow. Um, I have a I have a memory of being at the local high school near camp. And I believe that McDonald's actually made egg McMuffins without the meat and wow. brought them. It was like a Red Cross evacuation center. I mean, it wasn't just oh camp God. that evacuated. It was a massive wildfire. Wow. And we were wow. out of camp at least three nights. Wow. Um and and it was it was a little bit of an adventure. It really was not as I was on staff, but I was not I had no authority. I wasn't in any level of administration, so I only knew whatever they told me. And it wasn't scary. It was a, kind of a big bizarre adventure. And wow. we ate whatever we could eat that they would somehow bring us food that we could eat. <laughs> And then I remember going back to camp and being kind of amazed at, oh, now we're back. Okay. (laughs) And that was over because camp did not burn, thankfully. I don't, uh, it got close. I don't think it got as close as this more recent fire Mm -hmm. actually got to actually burning camp property. Um, But I remember, uh, what I do remember is realizing that the camp was going to have to call all of these families and tell them that we were evacuating. Mm. There was no email. There were not cell phones. And I remember thinking, okay, I mean, I had, didn't have anything to do with it, but they had to be in touch with all of these families day after day after day. Wow. And there was no organized way to do that. There was no easy mass way to do that. So mm. the fire was a, it, I feel, I feel like those memories were embedded in my brain. I was sure I'd never forget them. And yet <laughs> 30 years later, I've forgotten them. Wow. So, but it was a very big deal for a lot of years. It's kind of been mythologized. <laughs> like, well, yeah. that's why I'm not sure I remember it accurately or whether I've just bought into the same fire mythology everyone else has yeah i've heard that like people had to run around camp i'm sure this is also this is probably true on some level but like running around camp and grabbing the torahs that oh, are i'm sure around, that that happened you know. i'm sure that i'm that sure happened. it happened um yeah. and that people had them in their cars and just drove them wow. out of camp but i think that happened with this most recent fire a couple years ago too probably yeah. that i remember i remember sitting in my dorm room freshman year with a friend who went to another Jewish camp in Los in California, her camp burned down and mine yeah. and ours didn't. And we were watching the fire maps from from the dorm common room. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they ran around grabbing Torahs and um, and uh, all of the paperwork. You know, all of those files that were all paper files at the time. All of the camp. You know, the forms you had to fill out and the releases of information and all of the medicine they had to take. I am sure that that was a huge scramble. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. As you were as you were talking, I was like, oh, my God, how did they let everyone know? Because like the few times that camp has sent like 
you know, fam, like parents, you know, information, like when the, we all got that 24 hour flu a bunch of years ago and that Mm -hmm. went around really badly. And like, you know, if a bunk has a problem or something, like I remember my brother's bunk had a mouse in it and they had to send the parents a letter about like the mouse. They were like, don't be alarmed. Your kids found a mouse. But like, I, I was like, I can't even imagine like now, like calling on the phone, you know, 600 campers families and being like we're okay but we're leaving like we're evacuating but we're like what that the logistical nightmare the the nightmare would be today 30 years ago without my like cell phones and email and i can't even i mean the only good part is that all parents could do was just wait because there was no you couldn't email after email there was no you just waited for confirmation and they got us out they got everyone out early so it wasn't like there was you know touch and go yeah but uh but yeah it's uh, those are one-on-one phone calls That's no mass email insane yeah. i'm in my head i'm picturing it like the like the tv show mash if i don't know sophie if you know mash but mm-hmm. when they bug out, like when they have to leave and they like pack everything up and all the tents have to be like rolled together and put on trucks. And like that's in my head, like picturing all these counselors, like putting Torres in cars and like grabbing them, like running away as like the sirens are going off being like, it's a bug out. And that's that's <laughs> what's going on in kid- my head. I think they lined kids up. I don't know what they do for fire drills now. Uh, it was the baseball field and the it was yeah. not a paved parking lot and and you oh, had what you had on you that was it nobody packed a bag for this evacuation wow yeah it's fire really drills are still on the baseball field yeah <laughs> still all drills and any emergency drill is on the yeah the baseball field which is ugh, that's insane i'm kidding yeah, like the dustiest had- it's like the dustiest place <laughs> <laughs> we put maybe a had a kids. fire drill. We didn't have any other drills. Well, we, I mean, we do the fire we, drill, but we have the, we don't, we only do a fire drill, but I think it's the same procedure for most other things, I think. Yeah. Earthquake drills, I think it's the same. If God forbid, if there's an earthquake. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on our silly little show um, silly little- i'm glad <laughs> i listen to them all i love them so hopefully this one's just as good <laughs> Thank i you. think so i think this i mean though i think so much of what you said not only struck a chord with us but i think will like my parents listen like they will also feel like all those feelings too and you know it's so it's always so inspiring to hear from people who went to camp a while ago like we are all so connected by this same thing we all may have had our different experiences but like we are so bonded and connected through this place and this these people and these stories and I we can't thank you enough this was so so lovely and so awesome to hear your stories and your thoughts and the fire and everything I mean it was really this was really wonderful well, you're very welcome. I can tell you that I have two couples, friends that are couples that met at camp and wow. married and are wow. and remain married now. And wow. so, like Sophie said when she was younger, it is for lovers, <laughs> but it's it is for lifelong connections. Truly. Yes. Yes. Wow. That was amazing. That was great. That was so great. Shout out to Lisa. That I was love, just yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, and again, big thank you to her for taking time to to record with us and to you know join us on this weird little journey we've been going through this year. So yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> this this year has been so great. We this this podcast has really been so much fun for both Sophie and I to put together to really do on our own we had a little bit of technical help at the beginning and then we've kind of just made it up as we went along and um it's it's been it's been so so much fun for me and a really I think 
Sophie and I will both say that this is the most we've kept in touch during the year in our whole oh, lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, Seriously. And I think that's, it's so good because I'm so bad at like, it's, I'm so not great at keeping in touch and I, I think it's really brought us a lot closer and, and it's agree. sad that it's our last episode because you have to go to camp and summer's happening, but you know, yeah. I think what a beautiful way to end. At yes. least for now. At least, yeah. This, this season of Campcast yeah. is, is ending with this really, really special episode as a nice culmination of the year, as a nice culmination of um, the work that we've put into this. Um, and a great way, as Sophie goes into her nice summer in Madison, and as I go off to camp this summer, we are just going to come back with more great stories and things, you know, things to talk about when we ever come back. Um, we're just, we're so thankful to, to have had this podcast this year. Yeah. And thank, I know we thank everyone for listening all the time, but like, seriously, if you've stuck around, like, let us know, you know, like, we want to know who's, who's out there. We can see the numbers. We can see basic demographics, but you know, we want you to, we want to be connected with you. So if you've been, if you've stuck around this, this far, we, we really appreciate it. It means, it means so much to us. It, it keeps us keeps us going and it's always nice to see like oh my gosh like look these are the states that people are like yep. listening to our podcast in yep. um, so if you stuck around definitely let us know because we we want to connect with you absolutely and you you can do that by following us on instagram at campcast underscore podcast you can click on the link in our bio to our website where you can leave us voice messages you can send us messages let us know what you think what you'd like to see you know more of if you want you know us to do anything special let us know we are open to all kinds of ideas um and if you say hi we just might say hi back we hope we hope you guys have the best summer. Hags. Um, <laughs> Hags. Um, if you're going back to camp, I hope you have the best time in the world. Yeah. Baruch Hashem, you can go. If you're not going back to camp, I hope you have uh, you are able to enjoy the nice weather wherever you are, and yes. that you're able to relax and hopefully feel a summer of relative normalcy. Yes. And you know, peace and tranquility in comparison, certainly to last summer. So thank you all. Amen. Season one has been a blast. Such a (laughs) blast. Um, We will see you all someday soon. Whenever we have the time. (laughs) Whenever we have the time. Yes. Cut it. (laughs) Slice it. Produce it. Done.